0: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. It's been 50 years since the Roe v. Wade decision. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. For five decades, the right to an abortion was protected. But after the Dobbs decision overturned Roe in June, the status of reproductive rights is more confusing and uncertain than ever. Since the end of Roe, the nation has become even more divided over abortion rights. There is now a patchwork of bans or partial bans in several states. Doctors in Wisconsin are delaying or denying care because of confusion over the abortion laws.
1: Nearly half of the Texans
0: asked, 46 percent, said they didn't know about the Texas trigger law that bans most
1: abortions.
2: We've seen this so many times before, haven't we? Hundreds of anti-abortion rights advocates on one side of the street and hundreds more pro rights advocates on the other side of the street.
0: In light of the anniversary, we are taking a look at where abortion access stands here in Illinois and across the country. Alicia Hurtado is an advocacy manager for the Chicago Abortion Fund, and Shafali Luthra is a gender and healthcare reporter for the 19th. I'll start with you, Alicia. I'm wondering if you have found yourself kind of reflecting on this anniversary, the 50 years.
1: Yeah, I think one thing that's kind of been sitting with me just in the last couple of weeks is, or honestly, really, since the the overturn of Roe is just trying to balance the feeling that on one hand, Roe was never enough. The the existence of the Chicago Abortion Fund and abortion funds around the country is a testament to that. The fact that um, we've been supporting people kind of n- navigating a, a host of barriers for, for years now. And I think kind of holding that piece of, you know, legality Roe was never enough to make sure that everyone got abortion access, but also reckoning with the fact that since Roe was overturned, so many more people are facing barriers and the barriers that folks were already facing are only exacerbated by the fact that they're having to travel um, across state lines, sometimes multiple state lines to Mm -hmm. get the care they need. Um, It's just been, I think it's like a a tricky thing because in in previous years, our our kind of line has always been, you know, we're, we're wanting to push. Beyond Roe, and this year it's like we we see the the ways that in the absence of Roe, people yeah. are really struggling. We but want to get it back. We're still, you yeah. know, kind of thinking um, what what can we build as a future that both restores access for the people who've had access for years, but also you know goes beyond goes beyond that. Shafali, what's on your mind?
2: I have been thinking. Just about how intense the past seven months have been in the lead up to the anniversary. We went through and tried to track every time a state changed policy on abortion since June 24th, every time a ban took effect, then was blocked, then took effect again, etc. And what the past seven months have really shown us is life without Roe, it's confusing and chaotic, for providers and for patients. And people just so frequently don't know what their rights are anymore, in part because their rights change almost day to day. Even if you legally are able to get an abortion, you may not know. And that confusion I've had folks say to me in some ways feels like the point, creating even more barriers on top of the really onerous legal penalties that abortion providers now face in so many states.
0: Yeah. Briefly remind us, Alicia, what the uh, Chicago Abortion Fund is and the services that you provide.
1: Yes, yeah, so the Chicago Abortion Fund is Illinois' statewide abortion fund. Um, we support people from Illinois, across Midwest and beyond um, in accessing abortion care. And that kind of Encompasses a lot of different types of support. Um, we provide financial support, but we also provide a whole host of logistical supports for our callers. Um, and you can imagine that that has increased since um, last June. But that can involve bus tickets, plane tickets, train tickets, childcare support with lost wages, um, really anything that it takes to get someone from point A to point B. We connect with folks, listen to their needs, and we're with them until they get the care that they need.
0: Yeah. Shafali, what have you been hearing from advocates across the country fighting to maintain access to abortion?
2: I think there's a lot of nervousness, perhaps, about what we are about to see in the coming year. We know that this was really just the beginning of a years-long, if not decades-long, fight over abortion rights in the United States. We are already seeing bills introduced in states with abortion bans and states with maybe 15-week bans or other restrictions, to try and make abortions even harder to come by, maybe to put new barriers in place for people traveling out of state for abortion, maybe to make it harder to access medication abortions, which can safely be taken at home, can be mailed legally, according to the federal government. And what the sense I keep hearing is that It's really hard to see how abortion rights advocates in states with really strong conservative governments are going to be able to stop more restrictions from taking effect, especially in states like Florida, Mm -hmm. in states like Texas, in states like Missouri, where there really is a strong anti-abortion leadership in place.
0: Alicia, give us a sense of what staff at the uh, Chicago Abortion Fund have been seeing since since
1: June. Yeah, I think... Um, one point that was that Shafali kind of hinted to earlier is just um a lot of confusion and chaos on our helpline, especially as folks just don't know if they can access an abortion, where they can access an abortion, whether they'll be criminalized and I think um on one hand um we have been seeing a lot more just um I guess a lot more complexity in the cases that we're seeing with folks having to travel um, across state lines to get care. You can imagine all of the barriers that come with that. Um, we supported just kind of comparing pre and post row numbers. Yes. I'll, I'll try and <laughs> keep it uh, uh, not not too in the weeds for the folks who are listening. Um, but you know, if you compare the first half of last year when when we still had row intact to the second half post Dobbs. Um, we, we supported four times as many people with practical support. So that's um, all of the things that they physically need to get to their appointment. Um, and, and the total cost of this support was 10 times higher. So not only are we supporting more people with um, funding, with practical support, but we're also seeing that the costs that they're facing are much more complex. And we're seeing that the emotional support people are needing to get there um, in many cases is also more complex. Yeah.
0: Um, the, the state has had some wins when it comes to reproductive rights, uh, Alicia, can you talk about House Bill 4664?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, the folks might recognize the Patient and Provider Protection Act, um, but with the passage of this act, um, Illinois is leading the charge to both destigmatize and protect the right to reproductive health care, both for people here in Illinois and also folks from coming out of state um, and their providers and their support people. Um, and I think if I were to sum it up just in... Um, what this really large um bill is doing it's just saying unequivocally that abortion care gender-affirming care, assisted reproduction, contraceptive access, PEP and PrEP access, all of that is health care and should be destigmatized and decriminalized and accessible to all. And I think that when we think about abortion access in the network of reproductive health access mm-hmm. and in a, in a larger context of reproductive justice, that's how we know we're on the right track because people don't access abortions in a vacuum. People are, are you know navigating... Uh, a lot of different barriers in their life that then impact whether they're able to access an abortion. So I to me, the Patient and Provider Protection Act really points to the fact that our lawmakers are on the right track and shows really really um, clearly that they're listening to abortion funds. They're listening to advocates on the ground.
0: Shafali, recent reporting in The New York Times actually talks about states with abortion bans and how even when they have exceptions, say for rape or um, the health of the mother, few patients are actually granted them. Is that something that you've also heard?
2: This is something we've frankly known for quite a while. Rape and incest exceptions are largely for show. When people in theory qualify for these exceptions, they have to, for instance, report their sexual assault. And we know that that is just so, so, so uncommon often laws specifically require a police report about mm-hmm. the sexual assault which is even rarer the idea that people will actually be able to access these sorts of abortions through exceptions frankly abortion providers and sexual assault experts have suggested it's near zero um one thing i've been really struck by in talking to physicians who provide abortions they try not to ask patients why because Frankly, they don't view it as their business and they don't want to re traumatize patients. These sorts of exceptions, I think, get a lot of attention because when people hear an abortion ban without an in, an exception for even rape or incest, many of them are deeply horrified that kind of legislation is unpopular. It's easier to talk about politically than to get into the nuances of the fact that even when these exceptions exist, They don't matter for people.
0: Mm. You've covered how there's uh, beginning to be some sort of fractures within the Republican Party when it comes to abortion bans. Can you talk a bit more about that?
2: This is in some ways really unsurprising because we saw Republicans, largely who oppose abortion, pushing restrictions on the procedure for years and in some cases decades without ever expecting that they would get the opportunity to enforce them. And now that we're here, one of the big questions that is starting to divide them is do they want to pass laws that would open up pregnant people themselves to prosecution? So far, people can be prosecuted and have been prosecuted for miscarriage through other statutes, murder statutes, negligence, chemical endangerment. These are largely seen as abuses of those laws. Typically, abortion bans themselves do not tell you that the person who is pregnant is also committing a crime. We're seeing a couple of states with bills in place that would do that. But those have also attracted a lot of pushback, including from major anti-abortion groups who worry about the backlash to these kinds of policies. Mm -hmm. I think over the next few months, it will be really interesting to see if there is any shift and if the the folks who really do want abortion outlawed, who oppose it in all forms, then do take this next step of passing laws that then would punish the people themselves who sometimes are trying outside of the medical system to access medication abortions.
1: Anything to
0: add? Alicia, I saw you nodding there as we talked about exceptions a, a moment ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, so on the, on the topic of exceptions. I just think from the standpoint of someone who works on our helpline and is talking to people, um, we at CAF don't have any sort of, um, you know, just, we don't have any questions that, that ask people their circumstances we're, we're open to people coming to us talking about what they need and we respond to that. And I think that when you think about abortion as, um, a stigmatized form of healthcare, as well as the fact that a lot of people are, um, asking for help and and having to navigate systems that are constantly having these um, forms of means testings that have certain eligibility requirements. Um, They're coming to us prepared to have to, you know, bear their soul in order to get support. And that's just not how we operate. Um, And I know that when, you know, you're providing care, that's not how it should operate. People should um, move with trust. And I think that um, in in an ideal system, that's how that would work. Um, Well, what else have
0: you all learned over the last seven months or so, just about movement building around abortion access
1: yeah so i think um one big takeaway is that abortion access is popular people are ready to fight for um accessible abortion care people are ready to learn what's happening on the ground Um, to me and i could talk about this all day i'm very um passionate just about the fact that a a strong um Fight for abortion access is is going to be necessary in the years to come, and I think that for me that means a multi layered strategy. So some of that is what abortion funds are doing right now, which is crisis mitigation, mm-hmm. building um, the expertise, um, gathering what people are facing on the ground in terms of access to abortion, um, and then on top of that. Working with elected officials to create protections, supporting and uplifting people who have had abortions, um, getting people to talk about and be public about their support for abortion, breaking down cultural stigma. I think there's so much right now that um, feels overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But in some ways, when we think about grassroots organizing, it really just starts with talking to your community. And I feel like that's been something that at CAF um, we're very passionate about, just opening up conversations about abortion.
0: Shafali, what are you paying attention to over the next year when it comes to reproductive rights? You talked earlier about the nervousness that is felt by advocates who are trying themselves to look ahead.
2: There are a few states that I am just really paying close attention to. I, I do think Florida is one of the most interesting and important states. We know that regionally it really matters for folks in a lot of the southeast because it's nearer than maybe going to A bluer state with abortion guaranteed up until viability. But we also know that there is a lot of discussion in the legislature there, including from the governor who will likely run for president, about enacting further restrictions. I am also really curious about what we will see in states like Missouri and Texas that have already banned abortion, but that have been on the vanguard of developing new ways to further limit access. Now that abortion is outlawed in those states, what Are legislators planning to make it harder for folks to access the procedure through travel, through medication abortion, through mail? And then finally, I just really think that what happens with people's ability to access medication abortion, the clash between federal laws saying that this is an approved drug that you can take Mm. compared to state restrictions that go against that evidence-backed approval, that feels like a really important Policy battle to watch from a legal standpoint, from an access standpoint, and from a science standpoint.
0: We'll leave it there. That was Shafali Luthra, who's a journalist for the 19th, covering gender and healthcare, and Alicia Hurtado, communications and advocacy manager for the Chicago Abortion Fund. Thank you both. This episode of Reset was produced by Andrew Merriweather, and it was edited by Ethan Schwab. If you're not subscribed to our podcast, today is the day. Time for a change. Subscribing gets you access to every episode of Reset and more great conversations, just like this one. All right, that'll do it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow.